is Shayla, and I just want to say welcome to Coastal Community Church. I am actually Pastor TJ's wife, and I am usually over at our Pompano Beach campus, hanging out over there. I help to lead that campus, but I get the honor and the privilege of communicating to you guys this morning, and TJ tells me, like, this is his favorite service or something. I mean, it doesn't sound like it. It was weak. Yeah. I, I thought you were his favorite service. Oh, oh. Hey, how many of you guys are excited about Christmas? Christmas is your favorite time of year? Mine's Thanksgiving. Um, so how many of you guys went Black Friday shopping? Not as many. All of you guys that did not raise your hand or cheer, you are the smart people. One year, TJ and I, the, I think it was the first, TJ and I moved to South Florida. We're like, ah, we could go Black Friday shopping. And so we went out after like Thanksgiving. And I literally thought I was going to die. Like, I think we even, we went to Sawgrass Mills Mall, which is... <laughs> exactly. You, you guys have been there. We lost touch with one another, and our cell phone service did not work in the mall, so we, I couldn't find the car, I couldn't find TJ, and I was like, this is the worst Christmas ever. That's why I like Thanksgiving. But anyways, this, I love this time of year because I get to watch so many people be generous and serve and do all of these different things, and I couldn't be more proud. Like, TJ and I couldn't be more proud of our church in this season. Because you guys, over these last few weeks, You've shown up, and there, has, there is over 80 kids in Collier City right now that are going to have Christmas because you guys showed up and were generous to purchase enough gifts to be able to provide these kids with Christmas. And this coming Tuesday, if you want to join us for the wrapping party, then you can show up for that at 7 o'clock at our church offices on Tuesday, and we're going to have a blast. And maybe those elves, North Pole people will be there too. I don't know. But there are so many amazing things that happen, and, and what I love is like yesterday we went out to Call Your City for um, our annual Call Your Christmas Adopt-A-Block. And what some of you guys might not know, every single month we go into this community called Call Your City. We've been going in for, for eight years. Since before we even started this church, we went in and began to serve this community. And we began to show up and said, we're going to be the church regardless of if they ever come to church. And so we've been showing up the first Saturday of every single month consistently. And every year we do like this big annual Christmas carnival where we show up and we have games and bounce houses and cookies and hot dogs and popcorn and Santa and Mrs. Claus come and they get to take pictures with all the families and the kids. And it's this incredible thing that we get to do. And yesterday I'm walking around and I just couldn't help but have a smile on my face because I'm walking around seeing all of our incredible volunteers loving on these kids and these families and interacting and helping them just see the church in a positive light and have Christmas, this Christmas spirit come in. And as I'm standing there, this little boy walks up to me and his name is Jerome. And he just put his arm around me and I put my arm around him and I said, hey, Jerome, how are you doing? See, Jerome has been coming to our Adopt-A-Block since the very first Adopt-A-Block. For eight years, since he was about two or three years old, he's been showing up there with his mom, maybe just to get a bite to eat. I don't know. But this kid has shown up every single month for eight years. And he walked up to me and he put his arm around me and he goes, this is why I love Christmas. 
was like, well, what, Jerome, what do, you, what do you mean by that? What do you mean when you say that? And he looked around at all the red shirts. We were red shirts that say serve on him. And he was looking at all of the volunteers. And he goes, because my family's here. And you know what's so cool about that? A couple years ago, Jerome's mom passed away. And Jerome's dad is not in his life. But every single month, there's a group of people that show up that he considers his family. And you know what? There's going to be one day where somebody walks up to Jerome and says, ah, the church can't do anything for you. Jesus can't do anything for you. The church, they're just so mad. They don't care about you. And he can stand with all boldness and confidence and say, I saw Jesus every single month at my community. Every single month, people showed up with red church shirts, and they fed me, and they clothed me, and they loved me, and they helped me. I know what the church looks like. And I'm proud of you guys for showing up and serving and loving and giving and caring because that is why we do what we do. That is why we do what we do. And today, I'm going to take some time to talk to you guys about the why behind the what that we do at Christmas time and actually all the time. Because I feel like, especially in this season, as the church, we need to be fully present in this season that is Christmas. Because Christmas is actually an incredible gift to us. We all possess this gift that is the greatest gift that was ever given. And it's a time where we get to give that gift, where people are expecting to receive that gift. And in Proverbs 18, 16, it says this, a gift opens the way and ushers the giver into the presence of the great. Basically, it says the gift makes way for the giver. And we have this incredible gift that opens the door for so much more in people's life. We have a gift that opens the door for the giver of life and eternity and hope and peace and joy and purpose. And when we're in a time of year right now where it's all about the gifts, it's all about the giving and the receiving of gifts. And some of you guys are like frantically running around trying to find a gift for the most awkward person in your family. And if you don't know who that is, it is you. <laughs> but you are frantically running around trying to find the gift for the person that you're like, they won't like that. Oh, that's the wrong color. Nope, they already have that. And you're going through all of these lists of all of the things that you can't get because that person is the most difficult person to buy for. But then on the flip side, you have some people that are the easiest people to buy for because they've given you a list. And then they've given you a backup list. And then they've given you a list to back up the backup list because they don't want you to forget what they want this Christmas. Because so much of this season is about giving gifts, receiving gifts. And so many times we begin to, to rush through this season trying to get everything done and it becomes a to-do list that we mark off. Got that person, got that person, did this, did that. And it's time that we slow down and appreciate the gift that we've been given at Christmas. You know, I come from a, a big family, a family of six kids. 
And I was the oldest, which is why I continue to this day to be so bossy. I mean, everybody can see it when I said, I'm like, no, you do that and you do that. And I'm always in control, which is a bad thing. But so I was the oldest of six kids. And Christmas in my house, we actually lived with my grandparents. And my whole family lived with my grandparents because they had this big house on the river with 40 acres and horses and all of this kind of stuff. It was amazing. I loved growing up there. But as, as we're growing up, we, we would get up in the morning, and all of us kids would, like, rush downstairs like a herd of cattle and, like, get to the tree, and our eyes were like... Because the only presents that we saw under there previously were just the ones from Mom and Dad, but now Santa brought his gifts. And we walked down there, and we were like, oh, oh my gosh. But then we had to wait for Mom and Dad to get up, which seemed like eternity and so finally mom and dad get up and we all make a beeline for the tree and we're grabbing the gift and we're ripping it open we're getting the next one ripping it open getting the next one and then somebody had to be the christmas garbage man do we have any christmas garbage men out there like you yeah you have the bag and you're just picking up the paper and stuff that's your gift picking up the paper and stuffing it in picking up the paper and stuffing it in and I remember one time we're ripping it open and getting the next one, ripping it open. And my mom was like, stop! Stop! She was like, wait a minute, slow down. I think what she was thinking in her head is, do you know how much your dad and I just paid for that? <laughs> She's like, will you stop for a minute and appreciate the gift that you have in front of you before you move on to the next one? And she instituted a rule from that Christmas on, and we hated it. Because we would all sit in a circle, and we'd each get our gifts in front of us, and Grandma would open her gift, and was like, oh, Grandma, that's so cool. And then Grandpa would open his gift, and it's like, oh, cool, a, a wooden bird. That's great, Grandpa. And then Mom, and then Dad, and then the brothers, and then the sisters. And I was like, oh, my gosh, when is it going to be my turn? So one by one, we had to wait and appreciate the gift that was in front of us before we could move on to the next. And it made us slow down and appreciate what we had in front of us and what we had just received before we were moving on to the next thing. And I think so many times our gift can get lost in the celebration of the moment. It's not intentional. But it happens over and over again at this time. And I don't think it just happens in our families or in our homes. I think it happens in church, too. I think this season, we have one of the greatest opportunities to share the incredible gift of Christmas to our friends, to our families, to our neighbors, we have this incredible gift that people are so desperate for, they just don't even know it. But so many times in the chaos and the marketing and the public tearjerker commercials, we pass over our moments to share the greatest gift that we've ever received. And I want us to take some time as we enter into the Christmas season 
and to sit back and to reflect and to take time and notice the real gift that we possess inside of us. The gift of our Savior that our world desperately needs. You know, the gift that we have, it will never break. It's never faulty. It's got the best benefit of anything out there. It's got a lifetime guarantee, and not only a lifetime guarantee, but an eternity guarantee, and it is free. People will line up around city blocks for something like that, and we have it. We have it. There's a verse in Isaiah that I think is one of the most beautiful passages of Scripture, and you guys can turn with me in your Bible, follow along in version on the screen, on your notes, whatever different device or mechanism you have. In Isaiah 9, 6, and 7, it says this, For unto us a child is born. See, God gave us the gift. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. How many of you guys could use the counselor? How many of you could use direction in your life, purpose in your life? Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, a Father that never gives up on you, that never loses hope in you, that never stops loving you. Prince of Peace, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. It never ends. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from this time on and forever. It is a gift that never runs out. And I just want to stop for a minute and I want to highlight some of the things that we get to give with this gift. Do you guys know anyone this Christmas that instead of the kitchen utensils, they would be better benefited by the gift of a wonderful counselor? All the things that, that they're doing in their life and the things that are kind of coming out of their life that feel like anger and bitterness and you just can't connect with them, all they're doing is to cover the fact that they have no clarity, no one to talk to, they feel totally misunderstood, and we, the church, have a gift that we can give them of wonderful counselor. There are family members that we will sit across the dinner table with this Christmas. And you know that you know that you know that the gift under the tree will not make one bit of difference to their broken heart, but the gift that is within you will make every bit of difference. But why is it that we spend so much time planning and wrapping the thing under the tree than we do praying and finding the moment to give the gift that will change everything? for the person on the other side of the table. See, the gift that we have been entrusted to give doesn't just satisfy in a moment. It's a gift that gives for eternity. And today I want to go to a passage of Scripture that might seem like a little bit of an odd choice for a Christmas time message, but hey, I'm the one speaking, so, you know, that's what we're going to go with. But it's the story of Zacchaeus, and some of you guys might know his story because he's kind of known as the short, short guy up the tree. The short guy up the tree. And throughout this message in Zacchaeus' story, I want for you to understand this morning as we get to the end of this message, the why behind what we do at church, especially this time of year. 
Why do people show up at 5.30 in the morning and bring lights and screens and all of these things and set up soundboards and set up kids' classes? Why do they show up at 5.30? Why are we launching a campaign called 12 Days of Serving in a few weeks? And you guys will be hearing more about that. Why do we help kids in Collier City have Christmas? Why are we asking you to invite people to Christmas Eve? Why do we ask you to serve and invite and all of those things? Particularly at this time of the year when you have so much vying for your attention. Because I want us as the church, you and I, to understand the why behind what we do at Christmas time. So what can we learn from Zacchaeus this Christmas? Let's look at Luke 19, 1 and 2, and it says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector, and everyone said, oh, you like to pay taxes. I would say, boo, (laughs) but, you know, you guys enjoy it, so, and he was wealthy. Now, Zacchaeus was a Jew, and he lived in a Jewish community. The people had the same faith, the same heritage. He grew up around people that were like him, but he decided to make a career choice to work for the Roman government and collect taxes from his own people. And that did not make him very popular. I mean, first of all, the Jewish people didn't want to pay taxes to the Roman Empire. And second of all, they definitely didn't want to turn it over to one of their own. So Zacchaeus had isolated himself from his own people by his career choice. And on top of that, let's just say he wasn't the most honest person. You knew when Zacchaeus showed up at your house with the tax bill, he had added on a few extra dollars to your tax bill. And so you know when he came to your house to collect that money, part of that money that he was collecting was going straight in Zacchaeus' pocket, which is probably why he was wealthy. So he didn't have many friends, and he wasn't popular, but Zacchaeus heard that Jesus was coming to town. And can I tell you something? There are people in Coconut Creek. There are people in Parkland. There are people in Deerfield and Pompano Beach. There are many Zacchaeuses that are out there. They've made lifestyle choices. They've made decisions that have separated them from the community that they were once a part of. And at this time of year, they've heard about Jesus. They've driven past the nativity. They've heard the commercials on TV. They've seen the the plays, the Christmas pageants, all of those things. They've heard about Jesus. And Jesus is being talked about this time of year very different than when he's talked about in January. So there's this awareness in the air. There's this awareness in our community of people hearing about Jesus. Now, people might not know him yet, but they're hearing about him. And Zacchaeus, at the moment, is aware that Jesus is passing through his town. 
Can I just let you guys know something? We have an annual of window called December. We have an annual window that for some people it is acceptable for Jesus to pass through their life. It is acceptable for Jesus to pass through. They're not open to it in February. They don't want to pay any attention to you in March. They don't want to hear about it in June or July. But at Christmas, it's like Zacchaeus. There's a window where they're curious and they're going, hmm, tell me more about that church you keep going to. Tell me more about your Christmas Eve services. I go to church on Christmas and Easter. Tell me more. So it says Jesus was passing through. And then in verse 3, it says this about Zacchaeus. It says he wanted to see who Jesus was. And I think the first thing that Zacchaeus teaches me about Christmas is that people want to see what Jesus looks like. People want to see what Jesus looks like. They're like, I've heard about Jesus. I went to the nativity. My kid was an angel or Mary or Joseph or a shepherd or a cow or, you know, whatever, whatever they were. I went to the production and I heard, but hearing and seeing are two totally different things. And the why behind the what of everything we do in the month leading up to Christmas is because people, whether they will let you know or not, they want to see what Jesus looks like. They actually want to see whether or not he really is the Prince of Peace. And the only way that they will see that is by watching your life and mine. They need to see it in the way we interact with one another. They need to see it in the way that we talk. They need to see it in the way that we give. They need to see what Jesus looks like through our life. And if we walk around with no peace and complaining and gossiping, they aren't seeing the true gift of what Jesus is. And Zacchaeus, although he wasn't a believer, he wanted to see. He was going, okay, show me. Show me. I want to see what Jesus looks like. And over Christmas, so many people want to see in our job is to get more visual than ever with what Jesus looks like. Our job is to get more visual than ever with what Jesus looks like. That's where, why we're launching an initiative called 12 Days of Serving. And in the 12 days leading up to Christmas Eve, we have something different that we want you guys to participate in. And you'll be hearing more about this over the next few weeks, but this is why we do stuff like this, because he looks like somebody in front of you in the line at Starbucks paying for your Starbucks. Jesus looks like serving those who are on the front lines of our communities and our police officers, our firefighters, and all those different people. Jesus looks like people that honor their elders and show up at the nursing homes where people don't have family and are desperate this Christmas. It looks like making homeless care packs and delivering them one day. That's what Jesus looks like. And it is our responsibility in this month and always to get more visible with what Jesus looks like. We need to use less words this Christmas and be a more visual demonstration of what Jesus looks like. 
Some of you guys are about to spend time with your stressful family. <laughs> they don't need to hear Jesus. They need to see Jesus. They need to see it in your marriage. They need to see it in your kids. They need to see it in the way that you extend grace and mercy when they're annoying you to no end. <laughs> Show them Jesus. They want to see what Jesus looks like. It goes on to say, though he wanted to see, he couldn't see. And here's why. In Luke 19, 3, it says, because he was short and he could not see over the crowd. Some of you can relate. I know, it's like, this is my moment. Short people unite. But you can relate with him right now. He wants to see Jesus, but he couldn't because he was short. And second, there was a crowd in front of him. Here's the other thing that Zacchaeus teaches to me about Christmas. People want to see, but they can't see. And the reasons that they can't see are not terrible or awful. It's not like they can't see because he was in rebellion or he couldn't see because he had a bad attitude or he refused to be part of what was going on. No, he couldn't see for two reasons that he had no control over. He was short and there was too many people. And there are people out there today that cannot see the gift of Christmas, not because of their own fault, not because of their own choices, but because life has handed them something that has enabled them to see what you see. They've never seen love. They've never been told truth. All they know is a life of abuse. All they know is a life of alcoholism or addiction. They don't know how to get past the crowd of depression in their life. They don't know how to get past the crowd of isolation in their life. They don't know how to move through the fear and the doubt and the disappointment. There are people out there right now with hangovers, depressed, suicidal thinking is at an all-time high at Christmas. Because there's memory of loved ones. There's loss that is way more mindful than gain. There are people right now that want to see, but they can't see because of a crowdedness in their mind and a shortness in their life. There's a Zacchaeus in your family. They want to see, but they can't see. There's a Zacchaeus down your street. They want to see, but they just can't get past the things in their life that has crippled them for so long. So if he wants to see, but he can't see, here's the why behind the what. Our job as the church, you and I, is to build trees. You're like, say what? Say what? Build trees. Let's read on. Luke 19, 3 and 4. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. Here's why we do what we do. Because our job as the church is to build trees that people climb into so that they can see Jesus. Our job 
is to build trees. See, the sycamore tree was a tree that was intended to provide shade and to shelter for people. I think we actually have a picture of it. A sycamore tree was actually really easy to climb because the the roots just kind of came out of the ground, kind of like limbs. So it was easy, easy even for a small child to begin to step up on there. I'm afraid of heights, and I could climb that tree. But our job as the church is to provide trees that people can step into and to see Jesus. It's why we do things like 12 days of serving, because that's a tree. People can climb into that. People can get served, and they can see Jesus in a very different way. It's why we give you invite cards and your worship guides is because that's, that's a tree that's being built. It's a tree that people can step into on Christmas Eve and find Jesus. When we do things like our immeasurably more offering, which is coming up next Sunday, if you've been around and you don't know, God is doing some pretty incredible things here at our church. And he's provided us with land and we're getting, well, we have broken ground and we're getting ready to to build a building in the community of Parkland. You know what? That's not just a building, that's a tree. Because there are people that are going to step through the doors of that church that we're building. They're going to climb into that tree and they're going to meet Jesus for the very first time. There's families that are broken. There's marriages that are broken. And they're going to step through the door, climb into that tree. And they're going to find healing. There are kids. They're going to begin to climb that tree because it's easy to climb. And they're going to know their identity and their purpose from a young age. Because as a church, we build trees. That people step into and they meet Jesus. And so when we come as a church and and we say, hey, invite people, hand out invite cards. Hey, participate in this immeasurably more offering. Our first response should be me. Yes, I am in. I'm in to build that tree. I'm in to help people meet Jesus. And immeasurably more doesn't just end with the building project. We will always be building trees. We will always be giving. Because that is what we do. As a church, we build trees. And when you understand that it's not about the building or the Christmas Eve service or the lights or the decor or any of those things, that it's really about helping people get up into those trees so that they can find Jesus. And then I love this next part. And this is our commitment to you as a church. See, Zacchaeus climbed into that tree not because he was hiding or ashamed, but because he wanted to see. And when we climb that tree, we all know the story. Jesus gets to the place where he's at Zacchaeus' tree, and he looks up into the tree, and he says a couple words to Zacchaeus. He says, come down. He says, come down. And this Christmas, and actually not just at Christmas, always, We are committing to you as a church to create come down moments. Moments when they step into that tree. Moments sit in a service and we say, here, why don't you come down? You've seen, we'd love it if you'd come down. Come down from your loneliness and find a family. Come down from your brokenness 
and find healing. Come down from the place where you do everything all by yourself and you feel like you have no one and find a helper. Won't you just come down? As a church, we always want to create moments in everything that we do where people have an opportunity to come down and to find hope. But it doesn't just end at come down. See, Jesus goes a step further and Jesus says, come down so I can come home. He says, come down so that I can come home. Not so that I can embarrass you or single you out or make a spectacle of you. I want you to come down so that I can come home. And let me tell you something. It's hard to resist the Jesus that you see in the tree or from the tree. The Jesus that you saw walking all the way to your tree and he's been healing people and he's been scooping kids up into his arms and he's been talking to the prostitute and he's been extending grace and hope to all of these people along the way. It's hard to resist the Jesus that you see from the tree. And Jesus gets there and he says, come down. And he's simply saying, now that you've seen, will you come down so that I can come home? so that I can live with you and be your wonderful counselor, that I can be your purpose, that I can be the Prince of Peace. I can be the Father that never gives up on you. Will you come down so that I can come home? 